Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. We have Tracy on today's podcast. She's a member of our community and an advocate. We are going to be talking about new age bypass. But before we get to that, I really appreciate those of you who have rated the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your other podcasting apps. Here is one five-star rating we just received. I wish I would have benefited from this podcast when it began. I found this podcast after hearing an interview with Dr. Omar Minwala. My circumstances are too much to state here. I just want people to know about this before spending time and money on what I now see as the sex addiction industry model that does more damage than good. At least for me, that's true. I'm relieved to find out that I'm not alone. These podcasts are strongly educational, empowering, and comforting in a very uncomfortable life circumstance. Thank you to those of you who have sent in your well wishes and your support. Uh, This uh, coronavirus stuff and everything has been super hard for me, and I'm sure it's been super hard for you. And I have just been sort of muddling through life lately, and I'm just grateful to be in this together with you and that we're all muddling through together and grateful to have a support system. On any of these podcast episodes, I always want to know what you think. I want to hear your stories. As you're listening to this episode, if you think, oh, that happened to me, or oh, I have a thought about that, please go to our website, btr.org, and go to the podcast section. We may end up moving in the future, but for right now, it's under the education tab on the menu. And find this episode, and there's a whole comment section there. We'd love to hear your stories, your reactions, and what you thought. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Okay, so Tracy's been on the podcast before talking about spiritual bypass, and we'll have some links to her past episodes here. But today we're going to talk about new age bypass, which is bypass from like the modern self-help movement. Uh, I love yoga. Yoga is amazing. And I have the most amazing, compassionate, wonderful yoga instructors. And, And I also work with a coach who's amazing. So There are amazing, compassionate people out there who are very trauma-informed, and they're very helpful. And then there's this contingent of you can create your own reality despite the current painful circumstances that you are living in, implying that all you have to do is think differently and your external circumstances will change. So we are going to talk about why that can be difficult for victims. So here we go. Also, the sound on this episode was kind of weird. I don't know why. It just turned out weird. So thank you so much for your patience and understanding. Welcome back, Tracy. Thank you. Okay, so let's start with new age bypass. When you say bypass, we did a couple of episodes before about spiritual bypass. And can you just recap that? We'll also have links to your past episodes. So can you just do a quick recap of what spiritual bypass is for our listeners? Yeah, so it's the use of spiritual beliefs or practices to shortcut or bypass deep healing. And while it can be helpful in some cases, some circumstances, like in the short term, when used too widely all of the time, can actually stunt our growth and progress and healing. So an example of spiritual bypass is that you kneel down and you say a prayer and you feel like, okay, I can move forward. I can forgive. If you found out that your husband's had an affair, for example. I can just pray these feelings away and move on. And you feel like, okay, that was the past and now I can move forward, but there's no actual healing that has taken place. And also 
there's no change in behavior in his case. So you're still not safe, right? Okay. Let's talk about new age bypass. So we're talking about the common self-help situation where if you just think about it differently, then it will change the situation. We don't have to set boundaries. You don't have to do anything different. You just need to think about it differently and then your reality will shift. Let's talk about why that can be dangerous for victims of abuse. Today, we're going to be talking about where the New Age teachings can go wrong, especially in healing from trauma or if you're in a dangerous situation. Like most things, it's not all bad. It's not all good. The problem is when these teachings are overapplied, misapplied. I'm going to give you some examples. It happened for a reason. Nobody can hurt you without your consent. Okay, so let's talk about how this modern sort of self-help, like you can create your own reality, can sometimes hurt victims. Can you give us a few examples of the type of thing that can be harmful to victims? Yes. Well, there's a lot of victim blaming that can go on in this kind of teaching. What you just said, the we create our own reality is a form of victim blaming. There is the teaching that everything that we feel or experience originates with our own thoughts so that we are creating our feelings with our thoughts, that nothing is happening to us from the outside. That can be very victim blaming. And victim blaming is very dangerous for trauma healing because that will actually keep victims stuck. It will actually make it more difficult for them to heal and to find safety. So list off some of those examples. You've got like everything happened for a reason. Yeah, so these are some common things you might hear. It happened for a reason. Nobody can hurt you without your consent. I wonder why you created this experience. It's just your karma. There are no accidents. There are no victims. There are no mistakes. Don't look back. What's done is done. Don't be a victim. Your feelings are an illusion. Be strong. Mm -hmm. In fact, I have one that's taped to my computer right now, and it says, there is no blame. Would that be an example? Yep. That definitely falls into that. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not that that statement is false. <laughs> it's that that statement is true in some circumstances. <laughs> and that's where this goes wrong is these things, they're applied as absolutes. They're taught as absolutes. And that can be very dangerous. I see the biggest danger in that is that someone would think, okay, well, if I can just think different thoughts, then my reality will change without actually taking action to keep themselves safe. Have you seen that in your experience? Yes, I see that. I do see that. Let's hit on this one. We create our own reality. Okay, so we're going to debunk that. Julie Ingram, she has actually has a great blog post on victim blaming. She goes through and she lists things that often victims will hear. We create our own reality, so you shouldn't do that. You should not be writing or thinking about something so negative or else you will draw negative things into your life. You should not maintain victim consciousness and you should not stay dwelling in the past. It's the art of healing trauma and there are several parts. This is part five, new age palliatives are harmful for trauma survivors by Heidi Hansen. 
So Heidi says, it's magical thinking to think that we create our own reality. We can focus on certain goals within what is being created around us and link with certain people. We can direct the focus of our minds, but we still must handle all the real limitations and obstacles in these human systems as we go forward. The faulty thinking there is that somehow if our belief is strong enough, if our energy is high enough, like our vibration is high enough, then we will only attract good things and we can somehow avoid attracting negative things that will bring us down. But that's magical thinking because we exist within these human systems and these natural systems that we don't have control over everything within those systems. There are other people and forces acting all around us. It's a very human tendency to want to think that we have control over more than we do because it helps us to feel safe and secure and powerful. But ultimately, there's just all kinds of things that we can't control. We can have the most positive thoughts and um, be kind and um, take all kinds of precautions for our safety and still be deceived or still be you know victimized in another way. It's magical thinking to think that we, by ourselves, can somehow control what's going on around us and what can affect us. Through our thoughts, like we're Jedi masters. You will not look at porn anymore. Oh, I will not look at porn anymore. You will not hurt me anymore. Oh, or thinking, this isn't hurting me when it is hurting you. She makes a really good point here. So trauma and trauma symptoms are not the result of negative thoughts. People think it happens like this. You have a negative thought, it leads to negative feelings and perceptions, which leads to bad things happening. But there's actually no proof that this is the case. It's not logical. And in fact, it could be dangerous to avoid negative thoughts because you erroneously believe that they will cause something negative to happen. Negative thinking could actually prevent future trauma. In terms of thinking negative thoughts, drawing negative things to oneself, the exact reverse is true. She says, if I had been more skeptical and thought about negative potential consequences, I may not have PTSD today. Because if we actually learn from our experience, actually feel the pain of what we have experienced, that can help us to set boundaries. It can help us to do things that are within our power to help us to stay safe, recognizing that Everything is not in our power, but there are some things that we can do to minimize risk and to keep ourselves safe. This would be like, if you feel anger, that's a negative emotion. So you're going to draw more anger to you, an idea like that, rather than realizing anger is a human emotion that's a gift to us that can help us get to safety. It can help us take action. It's an emotion that can keep us safe. And if we try to push it away over and over again, we may get stuck in an unsafe situation, perhaps. Absolutely. That's at the core, recognizing that we're human, recognizing that like, we do have great power within our humanity and within ourselves. There's so much light within us. And if we tap into that, there's so much empowerment there. And that's great, but that we also have limitations in our humanity. And so with spiritual bypass, with this new age bypass especially, there's this real emphasis on we can transcend it. We can transcend the human experience, basically. But that's not the point. We're not meant to transcend the human experience. When you say transcend, what do you mean? Like, 
We don't have to experience it. We can be above it. Basically float above it. Basically get so good at disassociation is what it is. Learning to disassociate and fooling ourselves into believing that's transcendence. That we're beyond pain. Going to take a little break here to talk about Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, which is our live online support group. We have multiple sessions a day in every single time zone. Our coaches are amazing. They super understand abuse. When you talk to them, you don't have to explain stuff. You don't have to try and justify what happened. They get it immediately and they can really help you move forward and get to safety and make some forward progress to establish peace in your life. So visit btr.org to see our group session schedule and we'd love to see you in a session today. It reminds me of a lunch that I went to with this lady. She was a gratitude coach, I think, something like this. And she wanted to partner with BTR. We were looking to see if we could somehow work together. And at this lunch, she said, well, gratitude is the heart of everything. And if I just have learned that if you can be super grateful, then any experience that you go through is beneficial to you, useful to you. And I was like, that's not going to be helpful for women because if they're stuck in this abusive situation and all they're trying to do is just be grateful for their situation and what it's teaching them rather than actually getting to safety, that's not going to help them at all, right? So I told her, like, this would never be a good fit for my audience, although it's good when you're in trauma to see the things that are actually worth being grateful for, you know? You might want to say, oh, I'm grateful that I have food today. I'm grateful that I don't have to sleep on the street, right? I'm grateful that I have a blanket that I enjoy or something. You don't have to say, I'm so grateful to be in this abusive situation. No, no, you don't. In fact, there's power in recognizing that you're not grateful to be in that situation. (laughs) Exactly. So there is truth in what she's teaching, but trying to apply that broad brush, yeah, that's not going to help women who are second in an abusive situation or people who've just been victimized. So this gratitude coach you're talking about, this is a really common thing, is this toxic positivity, which is the excessive or ineffective overgeneralization of a happy and optimistic state all the time, denial, minimization, and invalidation of genuine emotional human experience. So that would manifest as hiding what we really feel behind a positive front, dismissing our emotions, feeling guilty for the negative emotions we feel, minimizing other people's experiences, trying to distract them from what they're feeling, encouraging ourselves or others to reframe their experience, which that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes that can be very helpful, but we have to be mindful of timing and then also shaming others for feeling negative emotions. When I was in serious trauma, like, I'd had a major D-Day like a month before and I was with family and something triggered me. Mind you, I just found out about everything that had been going on in my marriage for 15 years a month before. So something triggers me and I start crying and I left the room because I was with family. I was with extended family, my parents and a sister and, you know, her family and it was embarrassing (laughs) and I didn't want to make them uncomfortable. So I left the room. But I could not stop crying, just sobbing. And my mom followed me and she said, you know, Tracy, you just need to put a smile on your face for the sake of your children. And (laughs) that was not helpful. Not only was it not helpful, it was very shaming. I felt now, okay, so now 
I'm a bad mom because I'm crying in front of my children. And I had no control over that trigger in that moment. The, the trauma was too fresh. It was too recent. Also, she told me in the same conversation, you just need to put the past in the past and look to the future. But see, that's not helpful when striving to heal from trauma because it's a long, long process. Also, a month after, you don't know if it really is in the past. You don't know anything a month after. You're still living it. Yeah, I was still not safe. All I needed right then to begin healing, I mean, she wanted me to skip healing. She wanted me to pretend that nothing was wrong. Whereas what I really needed was safety and stability. And after I'd found safety and stability, then I need to go through the long, messy process of remembrance and grieving, which is that second stage of healing. And that's a long process. Like it takes a long time, but we have to be able to do that. We have to be able to process what has happened. We have to go back to the past, acknowledge it, validate it, feel what we need to feel. And um, in the process, oftentimes we can learn really great things from it. But if we can't, or if we don't, if that's not part of our process, we shouldn't shame ourselves for it. It takes a very long time, but you can't even really make any progress in that second stage if you haven't found safety and stability first. So it's basically just a, you're making me uncomfortable with your difficult emotions. So I'm going to tell you to turn them off and pretend that <laughs> that nothing is wrong. And move on, right? A lot of people say things like, it's going to be okay. It'll be fine. Things will work out, you know, and in that stage, you don't know if it's going to be fine. You don't know if it's going to work out. And it might not. So that's not the right thing to say. Like, let's skip right to the, oh, just put on your happy, positive attitude about it and everything will be okay. But if you keep crying, then it's for sure not going to be okay. But that is another way of telling a victim it's her fault. Right. Exactly. It's more victim blaming. Which, why we do this, I already mentioned, it's a human tendency. Like, we want to feel in control because it makes us feel safer. Also, society teaches us to believe that we're responsible for what happens to us so that we can and we should be totally in control of our own lives, which leads to when we're victimized, we feel helpless because we feel this loss of control and then we feel shame and the shame will keep us stuck. We have this societal intolerance, this cultural intolerance for for feelings of helplessness and loss of control, which leads to victim blaming. People who have an inability tolerating their own difficult emotions are not really very capable of tolerating the pain and suffering in others. So they're impatient for us to just move on or just pretend that everything's fine. Victims remind us of our own vulnerability. If she was victimized, then I could be victimized and that's scary. So I'm going to pretend that she wasn't victimized. She just made a bad choice or she just put herself in a bad situation. And so if I cannot make that same bad choice or put myself in that situation like she did, then I won't have to feel helpless. Or that would never happen to me because I've asked the right questions and because I've made sure that I've done the right thing. A lot of women ask all the right questions and they're still victimized. Victim blaming is a convenient way to avoid taking responsibility for our own actions if we have played a part. So often, you know, abusers will do this or people who have contributed to secondary trauma, exacerbated the trauma. 
they'll continue to blame the victim because it's a way to avoid taking responsibility for their own part in the victim's pain or injuries. And then also there's self-blame that happens oftentimes where we as victims desiring a sense of control blame ourselves because then we're like, well, if I had just done this, if I just done this, I've just done this, then that wouldn't have happened. So if I can change the way that I am or the things that I do going forward, then this won't happen to me again. And we see this oftentimes, I think, in a betrayal trauma community. They're safety-seeking behaviors, essentially. It's if I am just the perfect wife in all of these different ways, then he won't betray me again. In some 12-step circles, women are told, you have to keep coming to 12-step meetings for the rest of your life or this will happen to you again. Yeah. <laughs> As if doing that is, has any bearing whatsoever on his choices. Like it doesn't. I think it's ironic because they talk out of both sides of their mouth. They'll be like, you have no control over him, but this will happen to you again if you don't keep coming to meetings the rest of your life. I'm like, what? You're saying two opposite things at the same time. Yeah. I want to read this quote. This is from Jeff Brown. He's he's an author, a teacher. He calls himself an enrealment activist. I really like him. I think he's got a lot of good insight. He makes up a lot of his own terms, which are kind of fun. So enrealment versus enlightenment. And But he says, talking of the New Age movement, he says, if it's all a mirror, then I got some work to do. No need. It's all an illusion. Wait, how can it be both? If it's all an illusion, then there isn't anything to mirror. And if it's all a mirror, then none of it is an illusion. Methinks the new cage movement is confusing its bypass mantras. My illusory head just smashed my illusory mirror into illusory bits. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just talking out of both sides, and it's, it just, it doesn't make sense. Like, you can't have all of these things be absolutes at the same time. There's a lot to be said on how you perceive things is going to change your reality. In our case, what we've been perceiving incorrectly is we have been perceiving that we're in a relationship with a really good guy who has a few small problems rather than the reality that he is an abusive person. That is the reality is that I'm in an abusive relationship. And even if he has these good qualities, this is still the abuse cycle. These are still abusive behaviors and I need to get to safety. I think rather than thinking, how can I change my inner thoughts so that I can change reality? I think if victims are most interested in truth, what is the truth of my current situation? What is the truth of what is currently happening? Is it true that these behaviors that I'm witnessing, regardless of how he looks at church, regardless of how good of a provider he is, regardless of this and this, are these behaviors that I'm experiencing abuse? Yes, exactly. I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I encounter this when, well, we just need to have, you know, positive thinking. We just need to change our outlook. You know, I like to remind women that more important than positive thinking is truthful thinking. Because positive thinking, sometimes, while it can be helpful much of the time, sometimes it is really just denial and um, can keep us in dangerous situations. I know a woman who experienced incredible betrayal trauma. Very, very sad story. Very, just terrible. And a friend in trying to help, she's into coaching and she wanted to, to pass on some of this stuff that she thought would be helpful. Basically just reframing 
it's this reactive reframing like oh no 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 we can't be in that negative place so let me help you reframe this experience to just you know look for the positive to just imagine the good that can come of this i'm like no no that's not going to be helpful please no <laughs> that's not what she needs right now because i knew enough about her situation that what she needed was safety she was not safe immediately jumping to well, what are the lessons or what are the blessings that could come of this or well let's hope for this outcome and just think about that and focus on that and work towards that wasn't going to help her achieve safety at all what she needed was the truthful thinking not the positive thinking in that moment i mean you can have both i mean they don't have to one or the other but what we don't want is for the positive thinking to to inhibit actual truthful thinking. We don't want the positive thinking to take us to a place of denial. That's where it gets dangerous. We're going to pause here and continue this conversation with Tracy next week. If this podcast is helpful to you, please consider supporting it. Go to btr.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on support the podcast. Similarly, I have loved to read your reviews about Trauma Mama Husband Drama on Amazon. If you haven't picked up a copy yet, you can see that book and all the books we recommend at btr.org backslash books. And until next week, stay safe out there.